So you ready for the word this morning? Oh, totally unexpected. How was that? That was amazing. Well done. Um, for, welcome to those who are online as well. Just want to welcome you to the service this morning. I want to give you guys uh, online a quick heads up that the things that these people here are about to be surprised with as well is that we'll be taking communion at the end of this message. So you might want to hit pause right now and go and get some bread and a bit of juice so that you're ready for the end of the service. So just want to give you a heads up on that. So this morning we are uh, going to just be continuing in our uh, series on relationships. We've been talking about relationships over the past few weeks. We've explored uh, about how to enjoy our relationships. We've discovered how to reduce conflict and tension in our relationships. Who, Who thought that was a good one? I thought it was really good for me, so it was good. Uh, we talked about last week the household code. Uh, Pastor Dean spoke about the household code out of Ephesians, and that was a really great message too. And this morning, I'm going to be continuing on this whole theory or this whole se- series uh, on relationships, talking about one of the, the probably one of the hardest things to do in a relationship. Some, for some of you here, this may possibly be one of the hardest messages that you'll likely have heard. It may be confronting, it may be completely challenging, but I want to say to you this morning that it's okay. It's you're in a safe place, you're in a safe place, and God's here, His Spirit is here, and you can be at peace this morning. I'm going to pray for the message, and then I'm going to launch straight into this sucker, all right? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word today, but I also thank you that the presence of the Holy Spirit is here too. And I thank you, Lord God, that you would bring your sense of peace. I thank you that you would sense, we would sense your comfort and your strength as we listen to this message. I pray against condemnation, any guilt, anything like that to come upon people because that is not our heart. That is not the intention of this message. This message is simply to help us in one of the hardest areas of our relationships. Sometimes, We take years to get through this. I know I have. So, Lord, I thank you for your blessing upon this message. Make it something that goes into our hearts and brings about a transformation in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. The whole title of my message this morning is more of a challenge, really. The title of my message is to forgive or not to forgive. To forgive or not to forgive. Some of the most powerful stories that you'll ever hear are stories of incredible forgiveness that have been shown to someone who didn't deserve it, but forgiveness was given anyway. Stories where someone made a heroic choice to forgive another person. People like Corrie Ten Boom, who has uh, just released forgiveness to a Nazi concentration camp uh, guard over her. She extended forgiveness to, to that man uh, publicly. What an incredible story that is. There's a story of Pastor Eric Fitzgerald, who lost his wife and unborn child in a horrific car accident. Uh, and his youngest daughter survived that accident. But a few years later, in a chance encounter, met the driver of that car in a grocery store, and today they are friends and walking through life together because he chose to forgive that man for what occurred. There's also the story of a Muslim mother 
who, after the massacre in New Zealand, extended forgiveness. Just powerful stories of uh, incredible acts of forgiveness that have been given as well. There's another story that in 2006, the unthinkable happened when a, a group of Amish children were taken hostage by uh, a gentleman in uh, the United States. After a few terrifying hours, this guy bound and then shot 10 girls, killing five of them before turning the gun on himself. Within hours, the Amish families gathered around this man's family, his wife and his parents, to offer them comfort in that moment. They even attended the killer's funeral to support the family in that moment of crisis as well. One of the, the grandfathers of one of the murdered girls cautioned the families uh, in the Amish community not to hate the killer. We mustn't think evil of this man, he said. While another father in that, that Amish community said, he has a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he's standing before a just God. Incredible stories of forgiveness being released to people who just didn't deserve it, but forgiveness was given anyway. What are the effects of forgiving someone or of not forgiving someone? Well, I'm glad you've asked. So the effects of forgiving someone may be something like this. So it, the, the effects of forgiving someone, it's, it gives us a feeling of peace. You just lighten up. You know, it promotes our healing. It, it can improve our physical health. It can improve our mental health. It will open up new possibilities for our life through forgiving. It will allow us to direct the energy once used by unforgiveness into areas of our life that will become much more rewarding because we're able to put more energy into that rather than in trying to hold on to our unforgiveness. Some of the benefits are that it's actually pleasing to God. That's a good reason right there. Another reason is that it actually reveals someone who's living like Jesus did. See, the biblical meaning of forgiveness is this. To forgive someone is to free fully, to literally release them, to pardon them, to let go and set at liberty. That's what forgiveness means. It's a tough call. It's, it's a hard thing to do when someone's hurt you, when they've wounded you. Many say that forgiving someone isn't easy, and for some it's probably the most difficult thing they'll ever be asked to do or will need to do in their lives to see change come into their lives. See, forgiveness means that we resolve our own anger over what's been said or done and we let that person go free. Forgiveness means that we give up our right to retribution and revenge and leave justice in the hands of our Heavenly Father. I don't know about you. This is, this is just how I'm wired, all right? See, if, if justice is left up to me, if, if like you do something to me, then I'll pay you back plus a little bit more. You know, it's just how God doesn't do that because he actually knows what's happened in that person's life anyway. He knows the, the journey that they've been on that's brought them to this moment that has caused them to say or do or not do something for you that has caused the offence to come in where there starts to be this area of unforgiveness in your life. So we leave justice up to God. Forgiveness means that we genuinely love we genuinely love, and this love moves beyond the issue to the person. 
and it shows that we care more about the person than what they did. It's a t- it's this forgiveness gig, she's big, I tell you. It's a big issue. It's a big thing. I, I know of studies that can, they say that pers- people with unforgiveness, unresolved issues in their lives uh, have significant major illnesses and diseases because of that. But the moment they start to release that, they start to come into health. Cancers have been healed because of people giving up uh, their unforgiveness in their heart. Studies, and there's documented proof of that happening. See, forgiveness liberates. It releases us from a moment in our history to a person's actions or attitudes that hurt or wounded us in some way. It helps us to move past that moment and releases us into our future. See, because what unforgiveness does, it lays a stake in the ground and we are tied to that moment. We can't move forward into our future, into our destiny, into our calling because we're we're staked to that, that moment in time where that person said something or did something to us and we can't get past it. Only releasing forgiveness to that person in that moment will help us to move forward into all that God's got for us. You okay this morning? You know I love you, I care about you, and that's genuine, I really do. It's not like I said before. I'm sorry, okay, I've got to bring a bit of levity in here because you're all looking very serious. It's like when we're watching a movie with our kids. You know, I can see the kids, they're really getting in the movie, so I'll hit pause and i say, okay, you kids all right? You're looking a bit worried here. Okay, so I'm just hitting pause. Are you okay? All right? You enjoying the movie? All right? Okay. The effects of not forgiving. Here's some effects of not forgiving someone. Broken relationships. Broken homes. Division, bitterness, anger, sickness, physical, mental and emotional pain that we carry. A lack of peace and there's so much more as well. I want to I just unfold a passage of scripture here for us this morning and it's found in Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 to 35. Matthew is in the New Testament, it's the first book of the New Testament and um, I'll start to read that now. So it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times he says. And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Wow, what a, an amazing thing that happened, isn't it? But, then, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him only a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. He said, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servants fell to his feet and his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But this servant refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. Okay, And and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. The wicked, you wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. 
Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured even uh, until he could uh, pay back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's an interesting piece of scripture, isn't it? It's an interesting story of parallels and, and, uh, and things like that. See, a king settles his accounts with his servants and he finds someone who owes him 10,000 bags of silver, of, of gold, sorry. The amount's so great that there's absolutely no way this man can pay that back. He, the amount he, he owes is the equivalent of millions of dollars in today's economy. So Jesus is illustrating here that our debt to God as totally beyond our payment as well. The king decided to recoup the debt and ordered the man to pay, his, uh, to, to, to pay and, and his, his family to be sold. But the man fell on his face and he begged the king for patience, promising to repay everything so that the king had compassion on him and he forgave this debt. You see, forgiveness was given because of his attitude, not because of his ability. There was no way that he could repay that. But because of his repentant almost heart, and he's just saying, please be patient with me, because of his attitude, this king forgave that debt. It's an example of the guilty being freed and the innocent paying the price. The king paid the debt in full for that servant. And it's an illustration of Jesus' forgiveness that's given to us. And nature, I don't know about you, but sometimes this is my nature, and nature is, is prone uh, to resent rather than to release. It's, it's to demand rather than to forgive. So here Jesus then adds a new development to this story. See, this servant, rather than being thankful for his freedom, he went and demanded payment from a man who owed him 500,000 times less than what he actually owed the king. So the, the debt that he was owed by his fellow servant is significantly less than the debt that he owed to the king. So the servant demanded his money back. And even though the man who, uh, who owed him the money begged for patience, our servant has quickly forgotten the grace that was shown to him earlier and had this man thrown into jail until he could repay that debt. His actions and his attitude were so bad that his fellow servants were shocked at the injustice and they reported it back to the king. The king was angry and they, he called this servant back in and placed the same judgment on him that he had given to his debtor and put him in prison to repay that debt. And you can ask this morning, what on earth is the point of this story? This is the point of, of this story. Our heavenly Father forgives all of our sins, past, present, and future, and so should we for those around about us as well. If God forgives us, then we need to forgive other people. It's as we come to realize that all we've been forgiven of, that we can extend that same forgiveness to others and help them to experience what we have, and that's freedom because we've been forgiven of any debt that we owe. So you might ask the question this morning, what do I do if someone keeps hurting us but then keeps asking for, for forgiveness from us? It's a great question. Many times uh, we find ourselves saying, you know, I do, all I keep doing is forgiving this person over and over for the same sort of stuff that goes on. I can't keep doing this. I, I'm tired of them asking me for forgiveness because all they're going to do is just keep messing up and I'm, I'm all out of forgiveness. 
You know, this is an understandable sort of stance to take. But what does the Word of God tell us to do? I'm glad you've asked that as well. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 to 4 says, Be alert. If you see your friend doing wrong, correct him. If he responds, forgive him. Even if it's personal against you and repeated seven times through the day and seven times he says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, forgive him. That's what the Word of God says. See, forgiveness is the, at the foundation for a Christ-centered life. Forgiveness is central to it. There's a true story of an attorney who, after studying on several scriptures around forgiveness, decided to cancel the debts of all of his clients that owed him money for more than six months. He drafted a letter explaining his decision and its biblical basis, and then he sent out 17 debt-canceling letters by certified mail. Now, for certified mail, the person has to receive it, sign for it, and then they can open it. So 16 of those 17 letters were returned unsigned and undelivered. Why? Because the clients refused to sign for them and open the envelopes. They were afraid that the attorney was suing them for their debts. So in their fear, they ended up running away from his forgiveness. An amazing story, isn't it? Amazing story. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 12. says, finally, all of you, be like-minded. In other words, be on the same page. It says, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because... To this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You actually get blessed when you bless someone else. You actually get blessed when you bless someone else who's done you wrong. There's a thought. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil. I struggle with that one. And their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Many times our human nature, our natural reaction is to retaliate against those who've hurt us. But Peter tells us in verse 9 of this passage to give a blessing instead. To give a blessing instead. Just consider how this forgiving life in Christ can be a powerful way for us to live a victorious life. See, Peter tells us that in this passage that it's all about dealing in our relationships with the people around about us. Most of us don't realize that our relationships up to this point, our Christianity even, rises and falls on that fact. So how do we move towards living a life marked by releasing forgiveness? How do we, get, how do, we do this? How do we, how do we forgive someone? I've got eight points that might be able to help you this morning. and I'm just going to fly through them and just go for it. All right. So number one, go to God about it. Just go to the Lord. Just talk to him. 
No matter where you are in life, just, just go and talk to him. Go and talk to him about it. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. See, this is, I've, I've done this. You go to God about something, it's really ticked you off, or it's, you know, you're struggling in an area, and as soon as you come out of you know, your prayer time, you bring your problems back with you instead of leaving them with God. You, know, you keep replaying them over and over in your mind. And that's really hard, I understand that. But sometimes we just got to leave them there, saying, Father, every time you think about it, no, I've left that with God, that's with God, that's, I'm not taking that one back up. So we just need to talk to God about it. Uh, talk to him. Remember that he's done what he's done for us, not what they've done against us. Remember the things that he's done. Think about the things that he's done for you. He's opened his house. He's opened his hands and he's opened his heart to us. Number two, know exactly how we feel about what happened. In other words, what I'm saying is be able to articulate what about that situation is not okay. Drill down on it. Find out what really ticked you off and then articulate it. Talk to someone about it. Number three, commit to do whatever we have to do to feel better. Commit to do whatever we have to to feel better. Forgiveness is for us and it's not for anyone else. This is us letting this go. Talk to a close trusted friend and have them encourage you and pray for you. Can I tell you that if, if you go to a, a close trusted friend and all they do is heap condemnation on you, it's probably not a close trusted friend. Okay, just, just be wise in who you talk to. Okay, someone who you know has got your best interest, who you know actually loves you and cares about you. Uh, so just, just do that. Do whatever you need to do to make you feel better. Number four, forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation with that person, or condoning their actions. Reconciliation and forgiveness are two things, two separate things. Okay, What I would say to you, first of all, is this. Your personal safety is of paramount importance. And if it's not safe, um, you need to figure out what you need to do to make it safe. I'm going to say to you, abuse has got to stop. Abuse has got to stop. God does not ask us to stand in that place, be unsafe and continue to be abused. That is not God's heart. That is not God's heart. We can certainly forgive and leave the judgment in the hands of God. It doesn't mean to say we stay together. You okay with this? I'm just... I'm just it's out there, okay? What we need to do is to find peace. What we need to do is to find peace, and that comes through forgiveness, releasing forgiveness. Number five, when we feel upset, do a simple stress management technique. Here's, here's, here's a really good one for Christians, okay? Chuck some worship on. If you're feeling stressed... Chuck some worship on. Get some good worship music. Elevation worship, Bethel worship, uh, Hillsong music, anything like that. Spotify is brilliant. It doesn't cost you a penny. It's all free. You get the adverts every 30 minutes. Uh, and yeah, just, but you know, hey, look, spend the 15 bucks, get yourself a, a premium subscription, 
and you don't get any adverts. But get some worship into you. Just listen to some worship. Allow this, the presence of God to come in your moment and allow it to touch your heart, touch your mind. Because then you start to think about the music and you're, you're, you're wandering around thinking about the music, not what's going on in and around you. Here's, here's another one. The breathing technique, a four-by-four-by-four four four breathing technique. What am I saying? Breathe in for four seconds. Take four seconds to breathe in. Hold it for four seconds. Breathe out for four seconds. Just repeat that. What it does, it just helps you to just calm. just brings a sense of calm back into your world. It helps to stop the fight-or-flight syndrome. Because too often, we're going to start decking people or we're, we're out of there, man, just out of there. I won most of my fights by about 100 metres. Number six, here's a good one. Don't expect, everyone say expect. Don't expect things from others for our lives. Don't expect it. If they choose to to give us a part of their lives, count it as a blessing. Fantastic. But don't expect it. Recognise the unenforceable rules that we may have in life. We can't enforce things from people their attitudes or their actions. However, we can live in the hope of building a relationship together. You okay with that? Cool. Number seven. Look for positive things that can come from our experience. Look for positive things that can come from our experience. We put our energy into looking for a way to make our lives count and we kick the devil in the teeth with what's happened to us as we use it to bring glory to God. We're not going to stay stuck in that moment. We're not going to stay stuck in unforgiveness, in what happened to us, the things that people said about us. We choose to look for the positive things and I'm going to kick the devil in the teeth by using what he tried to take me out with as a means of giving glory to God and making my life shine. You deserve to have your life shine, church. You deserve to have your life shine. God's got great plans for you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says that I've got good plans for your life, plans for a future and a hope. He says that to us. Instead of mentally replaying our hurt, seek new ways to channel that energy into turning what's happened into glory for God. Think about ways that you can do that. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 is a powerful verse for us. A brief backstop to this story is that Joseph is sold into slavery by his family, his brothers, they, they, they sell him off as a slave and he's bought by Potiphar and he serves in Potiphar's house as a, a, a big wig in the Egyptian hierarchy, economy, whatever, in the culture there. But then like Potiphar's wife gets the hots for Joseph, she accuses him of, of rape and he hasn't done it. He, he runs away, gets caught, gets put in prison, gets forgotten in prison. But then in a day, God raises him from the prison to the palace and he becomes a second in command in that entire nation. What a powerful thing to happen. And I love what what Joseph's response to this is. He says, don't you see that you planned, he's talking to his brothers. 
He says, don't you, you see, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. And, you, and as you see all around you now, life for many people. Why? Because Joseph was now in a position where he could actually look after the, the, the nation of Egypt and all around about because he was in charge of the wheat stores, the, the food that was being given out. And he did it in such a, a wise and skillful way that he was able to give everybody that came all that they needed. God used what was purposed for evil against him to use it for the saving of people's lives. And we can do the same with what's gone on against us, the things that have happened to us, the things that people have said about us. We can do the very same things. But I want to say to you that that does not happen overnight. That is a process and a journey that we go on. Do you know something happens to us and it's a horrible thing that happens to us and then you know we, we go to bed one night and it's been, it's been a horrible thing. The next morning we wake up and everything's fine. Smell, roses are in the air, the birds are twittering, and everything's forgotten. No, there's a process. You need to understand there's a process. There's a journey that we need to go on to get to that point. But I want to say to you, make the good that comes out of our life, make that the destination of your life. Make it the mantra of your life. Your life saying, print it off on a, on a poster or something, put it on your, your dashboard of your car, put it on the front door of your, your house, put it on the back door, you know, the back side of the door on the toilet because everyone has to read something. You might as well read something positive while you're there. Okay, so let's just put that there. I'm going to make my life count and count for something great in life. I have dreams and visions that I have for my life. I'm going to see those things come to pass. That thing that happened to me in the past is not going to stop me. I'll get excited in a minute. We need to, to do that for the glory of God. I want to tell you, uh, this is my story. This is my story. And this, this took years to come to this point. In 1977, I was raped by a man who used to procure young men for the family, you know, the family murders. You, you ever heard of that? I became a Christian in 1980. That, at that point, I started this journey very slowly because I'm, I'm not a fast learner. I'm not the, the sharpest tool in, the, in the, the toolbox, right? So I began this journey of for, forgiveness towards this offender. It took me a long time to come to this point. And I want to say that when I thought I'd forgiven him, and I knew that I had in my heart, I'd forgiven this man for what he did to me. In 2008, on the, May the 4th, 2008, I open, I turn, I get the newspaper, and on the front page of the Sunday Mail is a photo of the man that raped me with a big article. You should see it on the screen. It's not Von Einem that got me, but there was another man that used to procure, and it was in partnership and league with this whole group. I want to say to you that shook me up. It, it, it was confronting. It was a test of my forgiveness, whether I had really forgiven this man from my heart. And I want to stand before you, though it still shook me up, I want to say with all honesty, I wish that man no harm. I'm leaving him in the hands of God. I pray, I pray that he finds God. I pray that he finds and runs smack into God. Not because God's going to beat him up, but because God's going to love him and change his life. That's what I want for that man. 
See, that man never got my life. Jesus got it. Because I've chosen to bring something good out of something that was horrible in that moment. I'm going to make my life count. I can now talk to people that have been raped because I've got a frame of reference that I can sit down. I understand what's happened and the feelings that you have. I can do the same for people who've gone through suicide. I can do the same for a, a, a wide variety of things. Not that I'm bragging. I'm just simply saying that's how it is. Okay? And so can you. Use what's happened in your world, in your life, not to bring you down, but to build your life from and say, you know what? There's life after that. There's hope after that. There is a brighter day coming. The light at the end of the tunnel hasn't been turned off due to government cutback. It's great. What tunnel? <laughs> See, that man's sins were different from mine to mine. However, sin is still sin. Okay? I can't judge him for his sin thinking that my sins are, oh, because I didn't do that, it's a lot nicer. You know, I, my sin's white. I wish. See, I'm so glad that I've been forgiven and I stand in the grace of God. The thing we need to understand about this whole thing is this. Grace, and this is why it says, may the, the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It says a lot that in, the, in the, the, um, the epistles and stuff. See, we need God's grace. God's grace is giving us something that we don't deserve. It's his forgiveness for a start. See, then the mercy. We can only get the mercy because we've been given something we didn't deserve. Mercy is withholding us from us something we did deserve. I did deserve the judgment and the punishment for my sin. But God didn't give it to me. He withheld it. He gives me his mercy. He holds back that because of his grace. Because he wants to give me something that I didn't deserve. And that's his love and his forgiveness. Eternal life. See, Luke 7, 47 says, I tell you, her sins. And he's talking about a, a woman here who is likely a prostitute. I'm not saying that that's for certain. I'm just simply saying that she lived a lascivious sort of lifestyle. And Jesus and these uh, people, Pharisees, are in this house. They're having a meal together. And this woman shows up. She uh, like, starts to uh, wash Jesus' feet with her tears she dries Jesus' feet with her hair and she begins to anoint his feet with this expensive perfume. She breaks it over his feet and anoints his feet. She does this for a number of different reasons. But then there's the people in this meeting, these Pharisees are saying, if Jesus only knew who this woman was and what she's done, he would want nothing to do with it. But he does know what she's done because he's Jesus and he knows what's happening in her life. And he says, I tell you, her sins, and there are many, he says, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only loves a little. In other words, a person who has no comprehension about the things that they've done, they don't recognize the things that they've done through life to themselves or to other people. If they don't recognize that, there's not much love there. But a person who suddenly realizes the depth of the, the way that we, we live suddenly comes to understand how we are. Number eight. I'm going to try and... You okay with this? Is it all right? Okay. Number eight. Remember 
that a life well lived is our best comeback. <clears throat> Instead of focusing on our wounded feelings and thereby giving the person who hurt us pain power over us, learn to look for the love, the beauty and the kindness all around us because it's there. Forgiveness is about personal power and only we can possess that. Can I encourage us to remember the heroic choice that we are making in choosing to forgive someone who hurt us. If we are struggling to get past the hurt and the resentment, I want to say, find a Christian therapist, a Christian counselor, talk to them. They are good people and they will help you through this stuff. Find someone that, that has a, a good reputation for helping people transition this sort of stuff out. The reality is that some wounds take a long time to work through the issues. The love of God will see us through as we continue to work with him in the process. Okay, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore them, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. I love the word of God, how it does this. Like it just gently slaps you up the side of the head, says, I love you, but you know, psh. Okay, One of the most powerful weapons that we've been given is the power of forgiveness. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There is a spiritual battle that's going on, but we have one of the greatest weapons at our disposal, and it's the weapon of forgiveness. It's the weapon of forgiveness. Forgiveness will break down any stronghold that the enemy has in our life. God's given us the ability to shine for him, and one of the greatest ways to do this is by extending forgiveness to others. I want to say to you that during the sentencing of the gunman in the New Zealand mosque massacre, the only time that the gunman showed any emotion or reaction was when the mother of a murdered victim looked the gunman in the eye and she said, I forgive you for what you've done. It was at that moment, it was the only time he showed any emotion or reaction. Everyone else, they were at him. They were at him, but it was the forgiveness that reached him. It's the forgiveness that reached him. Forgiving someone may actually help to open up their heart for God to touch them with his grace and his mercy. And this is all because we chose to do what the Father asks, and that's to forgive others. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Christ Jesus. If you find fault with someone, release that same gift of forgiveness to them. Think of someone who needs forgiveness and let's pray for them before the throne of grace and intercede for them. So my question to us this morning is this. To forgive or not to forgive? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'd like to invite uh, Joy up now, who's going to lead us around a time of communion. So let's uh, welcome Joy as Joy comes.
Um, if you didn't get given or pick up a, a little elements container on your way in, just pop your hand up and then the ushers will come and give you one. If you're not used to um, sharing communion at church, you're very welcome to join with us. It's a, a meal of love and thankfulness that we share together. Could you hold your wrappers until the end? We're just going to share it um, um, Share all together in communion. I'll invite you to um, join with us all together. Um, I probably don't need um, to explain. I'm sure you realise that um, com is com from communion is from the the word with, uh, and the union is obviously an old word referring to unity. Uh, so when we come to our communion meal, we're coming in unity to celebrate what we have in Christ. Um, I guess how do we do that? You know, is, um, is our nice culture in today's day and age enough? Are we just sort of generous with one another's faults and we just sort of are polite and friendly and we, we come and, and kind of pretend that unity? Uh, do we um, come out of duty? Uh, you know, I must do this. Well, that's going to burn us out. Do we ignore and stay clear of those difficult people with all their mess and their pain? That's not unity. It's going to lead to isolation. The only way that we can come with union is by looking into the eyes of Jesus. We see in his eyes the lover of our souls. We don't look around at each other then. We don't have to find some difficult thing we have to do because we know that's what we're meant to do. We look at the eyes of Jesus and we see there all the things that we need to be in unity. In his eyes, we see our failings and we see our weakness and we see our mistakes, but we see all his grace poured out upon us and we can extend that to those around us. In his eyes, we see that we are loved fully. And so we can extend his love to others. In his eyes we find forgiveness. And so we are able to forgive those around us. We know the grace and the purpose, the forgiveness, the love, the faithfulness, the kindness and all the things that come from knowing Jesus and being in a relationship with him. He doesn't assume stuff about that us. He, he draws us into a relationship. He wants us to get to know him and so us to get to know ourselves. We are not invisible to God. We are seen by God deep in our souls. He knows us completely and fully. And so we can extend that. People should not be invisible in the church. We can see everyone and love and freely give to them as well. People are never alone here. And we come into an amazing life that cannot be repeated anywhere on the earth. This is something that I wasn't going to share. It's brief. I know the male family whose dad and husband died in the explosion on... Brookman Road in his diesel truck. Gaylene, his wife, is a beautiful Christian woman. Anthony, who died, was a, a beautiful Christian man. Their kids and their family have been long members of St Michael's Lutheran Church. And um, 
as Gary said, this is a journey we're on. These people have known God for a long, long time. And these are the kind of things that happen when you know and love Jesus, when you're part of your life with him. The truck exploded near some homes. The, one of the nearest homes that heard the explosions were woken up in the night. The man that was first to the scene was a member of the, the CFS, obviously not on duty. I assume he must have grabbed some protective gear. I was told this by his wife. He went to the truck. He was first on the scene. I, I, I don't know how, but he got Anthony's body out of the scene and he was praying over him the whole time. And that's not arranged, is it? And when my friend went to visit Gaylene and Danica, Jaron and Trent yesterday, uh, they were devastated but they were positive. How do you take news like that? How do you receive news like that? Unless you've got a hope that Christ has overcome death. You have to know that it's true. You have to know that it's true. It's a kind of belief that changes everything. When we come and have communion, we're celebrating truth and life. I'm just going to end with the words of a chorus from a song. And if you can accept it as a prayer as well, imagine that you're speaking to your own soul. Oh, my soul, remember who you're talking to. The only one who death bows to, that's the God who walks with you. And oh my soul, you know that if he did it there, he can do it all again. His power can still raise the dead. Don't tell me that he's finished yet. thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for your mercy, we thank you for your forgiveness this morning, we thank you that you've spoken to us. Can I just have everyone stand, please? <clears throat> just ask the host just to maybe hold off on the uh, collecting just for a moment, just feel there's an opportunity here for a moment. I said right at the very start of my message that it's probably going to be a message that's hard and confronting for some. I know that in putting it together, it was difficult for me. And I know that maybe there are emotions and thoughts that have been stirred up in people's hearts this morning about things that have happened to you, done to you, said to you maybe things that haven't been done that you thought should have 
Right now, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come to touch those areas and places of your heart and your life to bring healing. Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just maybe hold your hands out like you're going to receive a gift. Holy Spirit, come into people's hands and hearts. Would you bring healing and wholeness? Repair the the tear that may be in people's hearts where it's been rendered. It's been ripped apart where people had no regard for the sanctity of who these people were. I ask you to bring healing and to mend those broken hearts. But I also ask you, Lord, to put into people's lives and hearts the things that they feel weren't done, weren't said at times in their lives as well. Would you, Lord God, put into their hearts the thing that is missing, the thing that maybe is devoid in their heart this morning? I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're able to do that because you're a God that intimately knows how we've been put together. Psalm 139 says, you know me and you know how I'm put together, the intricate and delicate parts of my life. So you know how we're put together, Lord. So I ask you, Lord, to do that. And I also ask for the strength and the courage for people to heroically choose to set aside feelings of vengeance and revenge and to let it go and to leave that in your hands this morning. Help us all to do that, Lord. I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Just as maybe every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to give people an opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Saviour. To become born again is what I'm saying. The Bible says that uh, to receive eternal life, we've got to believe in, the, in Jesus. God gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. I'm going to ask, if you've never invited Jesus to come, become your Lord and Savior, you never invited Him into your heart, that you've never relinquished the Lordship of your life, from yourself to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do that this morning. But I'm not asking you to just do this in this moment. This is a decision that you will do for the rest of your life. You will live for Jesus. You'll give Him control of your life. That You'll go to Him, talk to Him, commune with Him, worship Him, praise Him, sing to Him, cry with Him. If that's a decision that you want to make this morning, I want you to put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. If you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning, give Him the Lordship. Is there anyone here this morning you just want to give your heart to Jesus and start a life afresh with Him? One, thank you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Online maybe. If you're watching this online, touch base with us. Write a comment in the video area below. Get through to us because I want to pray for you too. Just one more minute. Is there anybody else who wants to give their heart to Jesus this morning? Anyone at all? Holy Spirit, I thank you for your working. Thank you for your working in our lives today. 
I'm going to ask us all to join together in saying a prayer out loud. And as we do it, if you mean this from your heart, I believe that you become born again. Amen. Heavenly Father, out loud, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he came to the earth. He walked the earth. That he was punished for my sin. That he was killed and on the third day rose again. And now is in heaven with the Father. I ask you to forgive me. Come in, be my Lord. Take a hold of my life. Guide it, lead it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, I believe you became born again. If you did and uh, didn't put your hand up, that's fine. I've got some materials here. I'd love to, to just give to you and help you in your new journey with Christ. But uh, I pray that you've had a great, great day. If, if, if anyone wants prayer this morning, uh, uh, happy to pray for people down the front here. Just come and talk to us and love to pray with you. But I pray that you've had a great morning. Uh, I pray that God's spoken to you, that he's encouraged you, and that uh, you're different today because of, the, of coming into his presence. I pray that you have an incredible week. Don't forget the prayer meeting on Wednesday night at 7.30 here at the church. It's open to anyone who wants to come along. Uh, be a great time to gather together and pray for some stuff but I just want to encourage you that you've been lit up to light up that you've been redeemed and transformed to bring redemption and transformation I hope you have a fantastic week God bless there's teas and coffees out there have a uh, great day God bless we'll see you when we see you God bless